Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I'm your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. This is a special episode for the Closet Champion Podcast, as we have our very first guest host on the show. Now, allow me to introduce him, the man with the coolest wrestling basement in Michigan. He is the Marty Janetti to my Shawn Michaels, but I promise not to throw him through any playground. Last windows, John Weiner. John, thank you for being here today. Thank you for allowing me to record in this awesome shrine to pro wrestling that is your basement. I'm going to post pictures a little bit later on my Facebook and Twitter page, but I just do me a favor and let the audience kind of know what we're surrounded by here. Yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me. Um, been listening, long time listener, first time, first time, uh, first time guest host, guest host. Um, so that's an honor. First by the way, uh, and I really appreciate you actually make trekking through the weather uh, to make this. It's, Michigan winters, man. Yeah, I know. Four, 39 more days till spring. Can't wait. <laughs> According um, to the groundhog. But yeah, uh, let me take you through a visual guided tour, which you'll see pictures later. So we're in a uh, finished basement, and I have a bunch of wrestling memorabilia I've been collecting since 2004, and I can't stop. Um, I've got. It's a full blown addiction. It really is. I could probably have a bigger house. Yeah, but you know they say the first part is like admitting you have a problem. So the fact that you know it's an addiction is a big step. It's an addiction, and I can't stop. I'm jonesing to eBay right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've got uh, anything. I've got the old school 1980s LJNs. Those are my newest uh, hobby right now. In a nice little display case that I got from IKEA beautiful i know um i've got the 1994 through 2000 bendums over on this wall over here yeah i want to talk to you about those later because i don't remember the bendums oh so you got to tell me about those uh then straight ahead mike as you can see i've got the complete loose collection of the hasbros spanning back from 1989 to to, uh 1994 yeah yep so ending with the guns all in chronological order, because I'm weird like that. Well, you gotta be, man. Yeah, and there's the Hasbro ring. And then on this wall behind you, I have a mixture of the Jack Specific Series 1 through 9 single packs. I've got some Jack Specific uh, Series 1's uh, Manager Series, and then the Two Tough Series, which they were doing with tag teams and also uh, managers. And then I also have... The WWF Classics, uh, which came out in 2004 and went all the way through 2012. I do have some obscure ones like Repo Man. Uh, I have Spark Plug, Bob Holly, Adam Bomb. But that was, so this was after a significant time after they were in wrestling, right? Yeah, so... Because Repo, sh- Repo Man was like 92. Yeah, so what's really cool about the Classic Series was after the Jack-specific stuff ended, there really wasn't many good wrestling figures out there. Uh-huh. And so Jack's was like, there's a there's a, a thirst for nostalgia. 
There's a void in the market. Yes, there was a void for in the market, and there was a lot of you know wrestling fans that wanted that nostalgia. So Jax actually came out with just about every figure that went through the WWF, mm. and they spanned from 2004 all the way until the last line, which was 2012, 2014-ish. So they made a lot of those obscure figures that you know that wouldn't necessarily be in the line in the right. line, and made right. it possible to happen. Uh, the genius I have, Leaping Lanny Poffo, right uh. there, which is really cool. And here's the thing, too, is I wasn't planning on collecting the LJNs, uh-huh. but all the LJNs they pretty much made, they made in the Jack-specific superstars. Oh, like they recreated them? Yeah. So okay. now I have I have those, but now I was like, ah, I'm just going to collect the LJNs, too. Why so not, now right? I've got Yeah, why not? One in Rome. And then... <laughs> This very back wall you can see right here is my shrine to Shawn Michaels. That is a monster shrine. And it, by the way, I just want to say it's not a back wall. It's a back wall and like a third of the other wall. <laughs> it's too. A, it's beyond L-shape. one wall. It's an L-shaped shrine. Yes. Starting with just about almost every figure he's got, I'll honestly say... Uh, I my collection total is at least I want to say close to 135 to 140 figures mint just, on card just of Shawn Michaels just out of Shawn Michaels mint on card not is including doubles okay and when you say on card what does that mean that for people? means that they're still in the, the display case they haven't been taken out and everything's intact every, yeah everything is intact Awesome. Yep. That's very cool. This is beautiful. I'm seeing a lot of stuff in this basement that I used to have as a kid, and I'm really, really wishing that uh, I understood the value of what some of these things would be. Because as you pointed out to me, I had a Shawn Michaels figure that you just informed me is worth just shy of $200 that I used to throw off of the wooden structure playscape <laughs> just to see if he would survive. Um, right. God, Ah, oh, we were idiots. It's okay. But it is okay. It's, you know, you live and you learn. And that's part of the joy of being a kid and getting to recreate those uh, childhood memories as an adult. That's, and that's where it starts. Yeah. It's like, I didn't have a lot of, you know, you could say these toys growing up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, I did have some and I was so thankful for what I had, but being able to go ahead and to afford them now is like reliving the childhood sure. youth. Like now that there's no Toys R Us, right. I can just come <laughs> down here and my walls are always filled Walmart and Myers and Target. <laughs> Take a le- lesson. Right. Yeah. All right. So today, as you may have guessed from the intro music and the absurd collection of figurines, we are going to mainly be discussing HBK, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. But what I want to do real quick before we get into that is I want to ask John, my co-host for the evening, the five questions that I find I ask every single person that as soon as I discover they enjoy pro wrestling, within like the first 10 minutes I ask them these these five questions. So I want to ask you real quick. uh, Number one, when and how did you get into pro wrestling? I got into pro wrestling, uh, I would say early nineties. Okay. Um, I just, my brother was big into wrestling and so he was there during the golden era of, you know, like the mid eighties to the late eighties. And obviously being your older brother, I wanted to do everything he did. And so, yeah, that's how I got into wrestling because of, of my brother. And so then 
as I got older, I started diving into a lot of the later 80s stuff just to see, appreciate and kind of see, you know, what he was into. And so I would say anywhere from like 86 to uh, 2011 is kind of my your, wrestling history. Your sweet spot. It's my sweet spot. Very cool. Uh other one is when you first got into wrestling, who was your favorite pro wrestler? I'll be honest. I really didn't have a, a fa- Okay. If we're really being honest, Bret Hart. Okay. All right. <laughs> which, All is right. So, which is so funny because. Given what we're talking about. what we're about. talking about. I always thought it was cool because he would always give away his son, you know, his glasses. And I was like, oh man, you know how cool that would be if I just had that? And I just thought, you know, the leather jacket. You know, it was pretty cool. But then the more and more I got into it is when I started paying attention to Sean. Sure. Uh, so, number three, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Mr. WrestleMania. Absolutely. Uh, Shawn Michaels got to be. Uh, number four, my question of number five is what moment in pro wrestling do you wish you got to witness in person? Or did you witness in person in case you did? You know, I've, I've been to a few things live. Um, nothing really crazy. I've been to a house show back in 96. I went to a Monday Night Raw, uh, maybe four years ago. I actually went to a Saturday Night's main event when that first came back, back at Cobo Hall. Uh, and then I also was at a pay-per-view, Night of Champions, when Daniel Bryant won the title, which was I, actually really cool. I ran into you in the corridor of that after the I show was over. I may have had over. a few cocktails. Steve Weiser's. Uh, <laughs> Steve Weiser's. I know for a fact you did, but I, <laughs> I remember running into you. started a yes chant in the hall. Yes. I also started a lot of, um, oh, you didn't know. Me and my buddy that I was with, we were trying to get everybody going. We actually did a few laps. Because we were we were so gone, we you didn't don't know where leave. the exit yeah. was, so we we, we, we rounded the corridor. Just a few keep times. circling, you know. But if I could go back almost into any time, I mean, you're probably thinking, oh, what Sean moment? Sure. Um, it's really not. I would love to go back to WrestleMania three. Okay. I would love to witness that live, just for the history to being there. Ninety thousand people, Pontiac Silverdome. You had Piper's last match against Adrian Adonis at the time. You had. The Bulldogs were still together, you know, was which was awesome. Yeah. Debut, and, and they really weren't together much longer after that because of Dynamite, you know, putting yeah. his back. You had the obvious Steamboat Macho Man Classic. Match, probably, arguably, one of the greatest matches of all time. Sure. And then to witness Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and the slam heard around the world. That would have been very I, cool. I would love to go back to WrestleMania three. That would, I think that would be that would to me be the ultimate. That's a very good one. That's a great answer. That's one that um, you know I, I think a lot of people, especially our age, don't appreciate for how significant it was to wrestling as an industry at the time. You know, WrestleMania one was a hit. WrestleMania two was kind of not nearly as big as WrestleMania one was. It was the first biggest wrestlemania sure because WrestleMania it became a won. spectacle exact spectacle because wrestlemania won the garden nobody knew how it was going to be but it's the garden and sure. everybody you know it's yeah. special there well and they were reliant big. and they were reliant on the rock and roll connection that they had like it was it was yeah. almost as much about cindy lopper mm-hmm. and mr t and all of the pop culture celebrities yep. WrestleMania three to me was the first one where they were like, we're going all in on this and it's really 
pretty much only about the wrestling. That's an awesome point because exactly because they had Liberace, they had the Rockettes at WrestleMania. Right, one. right. WrestleMania two was they had the celebrities, but they were in three different locations. Yeah, you know, because they're trying to play it out to see kind of you know what what do we got here? But yeah, like you said, there were celebrities at WrestleMania three. Sure, Alice Aretha. Cooper, Aretha. But they were Detroit celebrities. Detroit celebrities. But it's where the celebrities didn't outshadow the actual performance very good and point. the spectacle. Yeah, the biggest so, stars that night were Hogan and Andre. Yeah, and not yeah. every wrestler that went through those ropes put on a, a match. They did, and there was, and it's a great top to bottom card, by the way, for some people that haven't been listening as long or watching as long. Exactly. I should say. If you want to watch it, get into wrestling and watch a real WrestleMania. Start with number three. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You can skip one and two. They have their historical importance, but that's really if you're going to start and really appreciate, especially that golden era, you got to start at three. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great one. That's a great choice. All right, so my last question, more of an oddball question, but I'm always curious about this. I think everybody who liked wrestling as a kid imagined that they would be a pro wrestler, and what would you do as a pro wrestler? So my last question is, if you were a pro wrestler, what would your finishing move be? So, like you said, as a kid, I had a lot of time to practice on my body pillows in my room. Absolutely. You know, throw, throwing it around. The wrestling buddies. Um, Being, you know, kind of a... Not a big guy, but, you know, not, like, muscular by any means. Um, I think I would have to rely on a submission move. Okay. So I would do anything with, the, like, a Boston Crab or right. a figure four leg lock. I know a leg I, submission. I, 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 I practiced that a lot, you know. For whatever sure. my brother would let me. Yeah, you know, yeah. Before he reversed it. <laughs> and he, he put me in the figure eight before Charlotte Flair ever. Before it was a thing. <laughs> before it was a thing. Oh, so, shout out yeah. Dave Weiner, the or, the originator. He was the actually the eight. first one to, uh, we had a table ladders and chair match before there was even a thing. Um, I think my first introduction to wrestling was when I was four or five months old, he was throwing me up for a uh, suplex and I slipped and my head right through a, a glass table. Oh my I got God. a little scar. He ran into the uh, bathroom thinking four, he killed me. <laughs> four or five months? Yeah, I was oh. pretty I was pretty nimble. I was hardcore before there was yeah. hardcore. So. <laughs> yeah, Mick Foley's my, got nothing on you. Yeah, man. that was my first introduction then you could say. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. I think that's a pretty good intro to who you are and I think that tells a lot about someone is uh, where their wrestling history comes from and the kind of person that they are and the kind of wrestlers that they like. So that's very cool. All right, so let's get into the topic, the main event, and we're talking about the main event, Mr. WrestleMania. The icon. The The showstopper. Mr. WrestleMania. Mr. Everything, man. Mr. Hall of Fame. Mr. Hall of Fame. He's in twice. I don't know how he'll get in three times, but maybe if they let Je- <laughs> maybe if they let Janetti in one time, he'll yeah. be part <laughs> there of the you Rockers. Go. There um, you go. Yes, Shawn Michaels. So uh, real quick, we're going to do a pretty deep dive through kind of the chronological history of Shawn Michaels. Uh, in case you haven't uh, seen the documentary or read the book, here's a real quick uh, synopsis of his background. Shawn Michaels was a military brat. Uh, father was in, I believe, the army. Was it the uh, army? Air Force. It was the Air Force. The no, Air, Force. Air Force. See, calling me out right away. This is why. This is why I got you on the show because I know a little it's bit. It's a little you know a lot weird more. how much I know, but it's, it's a okay. little weird. It, I, it was all building up for this moment for me to finally talk about this. This is the culmination. That understands. <laughs> so yeah, so Shawn Michaels, army or military brat. Dad was in the Air Force. Grew up in Texas. 
started Mid-South Wrestling when he was 18, uh, which is out of the Carolinas, for people who aren't as familiar. Then went on to Central States Wrestling in Kansas City. Wasn't there very long, but it's an important stop in his journey because that's where he met his longtime tag team partner, Marty Jannetty. They would get their first taste of tag team gold at Central States Wrestling before they went on to the Minneapolis-based AWA, where Mm -hmm. within a year... They took off, became AWA Tag Team Champions, really got their foot in the door, and quickly caught the attention of Vince McMahon. From there, they went on to the WWF, but they weren't there very long. They were actually there for maybe two weeks from an undisclosed quote-unquote bar incident in which Shawn Michaels in his book says was a misunderstanding. However, in that very same chapter, he also says him and Marty were rightfully known as a couple of young punks. So, yeah, whether it was a misunderstanding or not, they definitely were known uh, within wrestling, within the inner circle, as they say. They were known more for their antics outside the ring than inside the ring, They for definitely sure. came in with what they call heat. Real heat. Real heat. Real heat. Yeah. Uh, didn't last long. Like I said, they were fired after that incident. Uh, went back to the AWA. Re-entered in around the summer of 88, around June. Uh, and that's pretty much where Sean would stay for good. Marty came and went. But during that first real run, I don't count that first run as a real run. Neither do I. No. Um, Their first real run uh, from 88 through uh, 92, uh, the Rockers, at least for me, were one of the very first things that I remember loving about pro wrestling. I thought they were super exciting. You know, as a kid, how do you not love the Rockers? They were flashy. They they were, you know, the the ripped shirts, the colorful, you know, tights and the outfits and and the theme song the real you know, theme with, song like you not know, a lot of people the heavy guitar yeah. and you know they're running to the ring they're they're doing flips over the ropes you know what i mean it, it became like who was doing that at the time no that's the, the thing teams. yeah Heart foundation they weren't doing it no you had bulldogs, uh, bulldogs. i mean they, dynamite did high spots but he wasn't doing flips over the ropes no and shit. the brain busters weren't doing no. it the demolition obviously demolition God, no. wasn't even taking bumps for anybody no. but themselves <laughs> i mean nobody was doing the rujo brothers maybe they were athletic but they weren't doing it no and they were more of a they were in like comedic matches almost yeah. like with you know like with the bushwhackers and stuff but i mean these guys were doing matches with the heart foundation with the brain busters you know with you know the twin towers twin towers yes you know like they were really like i don't like the term spot monkey but they were doing spot monkey stuff in an era of oversized muscular big guys that couldn't get to the top rope if their life depended on it. No, and and only top guys, big guys too, that really didn't have a lot of arsenal. No. And what was really cool is because, yeah, you had a lot of these bigger tag teams like, you know, Twin Towers and Demolition. And, I mean, yeah, they would have their, you know, who's going to move? Who are, are You know, who's going to make me look stronger? You know, sure. like here's your one, two, three punch, kick, whatever. But then here you go, you have the Rockers coming in with Marty and Sean, and they're making these guys who are already strong look stronger Absolutely. With, with selling. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, Hogan can only sell so much for Akeem. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's only going to look so good. And uh, real quick, I want to give uh, everybody, if you've got a chance, go back. It's not a fantastic match, but go back, watch the WrestleMania Five match between the Rockers and the Twin Towers. Shawn Michaels takes maybe the ugliest clothesline I've ever seen from Akeem. <laughs> uh the Jesse Ventura line, I believe he irritated Akeem. I believe he did, because I don't know how Sean didn't get a concussion from that. But that just kind of... They were doing that stuff in an era where it was not popular to do that. That stuff that was stuff that the dark match would do, the opening match yeah, would do. And only few guys before them would do. Like, sure. You know, Jimmy Snuka's, um, you know, the macho man to a degree sure you know what i mean coming off the top ropes and everything not yeah. many superstars were doing that no and that's what really made them and got them over absolutely really a fan favorite so. yeah yeah you know they're you know your your entrance and all that stuff you know that's going to take you so far it's i compare that their their flash and their quote you know if you're going to use a phrase like their sizzle very similar to the ultimate warrior mm-hmm. but i think the difference is where you see they could come in and do a 20 minute match inside the ring and keep that energy up for the whole time whereas warrior would burn out in 30 seconds yeah like by the time he got to the ring he was tired he was done yeah yeah, yeah he was blown out before he before the bell rang and i love when bobby he and always would say why is he running to the ring? He's going to be tired before he even gets there. Exactly. Yeah, that that was a line, but that was also a jab. Like, Yeah, you know, that he, was the truth. Yeah, that was very much the truth. Uh, so the Rockers, I think, very, very um, big innovators in the world of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they went on a great run. They, depending on who you talk to and depending on what Wikipedia page you go to, they were possibly the tag team champions, maybe not the tag team champions. Uh, there's a very famous moment involving the Hart Foundation in, I want to say, 1990. Um, I'm not exact on that, but it was a TV taping, mm-hmm. and uh, they were supposed to get over that night. They were supposed to get the titles, but something kind of weird happened. Do you remember that, or at least remember the story? Yeah, so it was actually October 30th, 1990. Good man. Good man. Um, and it was a TV taping, and it was supposed to air later because back then they weren't doing it live right you know that way they can do the edits and everything now was it do you know i don't mean to put you on the spot was it a saturday night's main event or was it just like a wrestling it was wrestling challenge okay yeah it was wrestling challenge and so it was the best two out of three falls with the heart foundation oh i don't remember and this was actually supposed to be so the heart foundation this is my knowledge of it the heart foundation was supposed to drop the belts to the rockers and then this was supposed to separate Bret Hart into a singles competitor. Right. And then Anvil, whatever they were going to do with him. And this was going to be that moment. Well, you know, it gets down to the best two out of three falls. Both teams are tied at 1-1. But somewhere during the match, uh, the actual buckle of the top ring broke off just one section. And then the whole top rope just limps down. Right. And if you ever watch a wrestling match, you know... You can't really wrestle with two the bottom and the middle. No, you can get away with the middle, possibly. Yeah, maybe, maybe the bottom. Maybe if you're, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, the yeah, bottom yeah, yeah, yeah. But not the top rope. No, and so it was a, it was a very lackluster thing because 
it was sporadic. They didn't know it. And you could see the look of confusion when you actually see this match in their faces. Like, okay, what are we, what are we doing now? We got to wing this on the fly. Well, it becomes almost an amateur match. It becomes almost impossible yeah. to, to really work any of the ropes. Yeah. You and can't do anything with the rockers. Yeah. I mean, they were, that's, they were always doing high flying yeah. maneuvers. You can't do a drop kick off the top rope. If you don't Both have the top of them, rope. You can't yeah. Do it. yeah. So it really turned into, uh, a pathetic mat mat match you could say it's a tongue twister for you <laughs> and uh the rockers ended up winning you know the best two out of three falls and you can tell in their faces too like they were pissed sure because sean was such a perfectionist oh, even yeah. back then marty oh, yeah. he was like hey whatever man right. we're parties party marty but um <laughs> sean you could see he was very irritated with it and then the, as was brett yeah they're both perfectionists yeah and then the next day, uh, they decided they can't air the match, and we're going to make sure like this never happened. Like it never happened. And the Hart Foundation is now going to keep the tag team titles. And now Brett's not going; he's doing singles. He's still in a tag team. Yeah, that. And put him then off the Rockers didn't get their due. Yeah, that's really too bad too, because uh, from all accounts, you know, you've got a two out of three falls match with the Hart Foundation and the Rockers. It should be awesome. In their prime. Right, in their in prime. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Like that's. Oh man, that would have been amazing. So, yeah. doesn't happen. Um, sad as the story may be, we move on. They start to do a great, and this is what I love about old wrestling too. This was another slow build. It wasn't quite the slow build of Savage and Hogan imploding, but we start to see cracks in the Rockers after this, leading all through 1990 um, Mm -hmm. and into 91. You've got Shawn Michaels getting jumped on the outside of his match for uh, WrestleMania that they had with, I believe, Power and Glory. Yeah. Um, which I think, by he the way. He was actually hurt. That's that okay. Match. Thank yes, you. He was actually hurt, and that was. He, he limps actually, to the ring. He got in a motorcycle accident. Oh. He crashed his bike, okay. got hurt. He hurt his knee. Okay. He actually needed surgery. So this was, and it was the night, I want to say the, the night or a couple days leading to WrestleMania. And they needed to figure out a way in the spot in the match where. They can get him to the ring, but not have him actively working. Sure. And so that's when Hercules takes his chain, and before the match starts, jumps starts him jumps in and, and hits his knee. knee. Yeah. And then you see Sean on the ground the whole match as well, Marty gets power and glory <laughs> by Paul Roma and Hercules. And then that was actually explained why Sean was off tapings for a, a, a substantial period of time. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And mm-hmm. it was frustrated. You sure, know. Yeah. absolutely. And that, um, and and it, it, again, one of those things where looking back on it, it probably all worked out for the better, because that really started a little bit of the divide that carried into Survivor Series, yep. where there was the big moment where Marty accidentally hit Sean. Sean's on the outside. Sean gets upset. That is so. I'm sorry to interrupt you about that. No, but that's please so do. That's why you're here. For, strike Force S. It was WrestleMania Four. God, where Tito WrestleMania gets thrown. Five. WrestleMania, WrestleMania Five. Was that five? It was five. Okay, I bet my yeah, life. On oh it. yeah, because four was the tournament. Yeah, but where Tito gets thrown into the rope, he bumps up Martel. Martel leaves the yeah. match. You know that's so Strike Force esque. It's so funny how stuff like that just still comes in full circle sometimes. Well, okay. and you know a great. It's because it's a great 
plot device and it's great maneuver because everybody if you want to set Shawn michaels up as a heel and you want to gain sympathy for your face who's marty yeah what a better way the whole world knows it was an accident and he's the only guy that doesn't recognize it as an accident and you go how can you not like how can you feel more bad for a guy then he accidentally screwed over his partner in doing so screwed over himself. And instead of his partner being like, Hey man, it happens, you know, let's move on from yep. this decides to take it personally. You hate that I guy. I love it. I you love hate it. That guy. I, you don't see stuff like that anymore. You and don't. I, and I it love works. it. It's so classic. It works. So that happens. That sets them up. Um, we get to January 92. That was uh, November of 91. We get to January of 92, and we get to one of my all-time favorite moments in pro wrestling, the barbershop. Now, the barbershop, really before this too, it's interesting to note, Brutus Beefcake had done a few of them, but there's no barbershop moments. Like, there were Piper's Pit moments or... Yeah, uh, Coconut, Snooker. Right, right. There's none of those big moments, but this is the barbershop moment. This is the interview segment moment i'd agree i mean out of you have the out of the jake the snake snake pits sure and you had the funeral parlor with the undertaker and yep. and locking the ultimate warrior in, in the their casket. casket yeah this was you know the piper pit yep. i'll put this on the level of coconut coconut snooker. to the noggin for yeah. mr jimmy snooka this was the moment of any this was our that coconut. was our moment. Yeah, this was our coconut. Exactly, to the, head. the coconut to the head is probably your brother's moment. This is what made him a Piper fan, right? See, there you go. And this is our moment. So, if you're not familiar with it, go back watch. It's easy to find on the network. But real quick, uh, they're having their problems. Everyone knows it. It's on TV. Bruce Beefcake decides he's going to get these guys together. And what are we doing? Are we moving on, or are we going our separate ways? Marty gives his speech. He says, "Let's move past this." And I love the fact when Marty does give his speech and Sean starts to go. Yeah. He goes, as the captain of, of this the team. team. Yeah. And and you could just hear the announcer. He goes, I didn't know he was a cap- captain. The captain. Yeah. It's just great. It's like building heat on himself. Yes. And yes. building sympathy for Marty, for Marty at the same time. Because you know it's about to happen. Exactly. And it's great. And yeah, because exactly. It's one of those things. And they don't. That's the beauty of it, too, is they don't bring it up like Brutus doesn't bring it up Marty doesn't bring it up they just decide to let that go mm-hmm. Gorilla says a, a quick comment and that's about the end of it yes so then Marty gets to this point he's like All right, I'm going to turn my back and when I turn around you're either here and you're with me or you're gone and pretty much I never want to see you again what's so great about those moments is that the pause because you can hear the crowd like oh yeah we want to do it they're cheering sean's thinking you think he's going to attack him from from behind take the cheap shot exactly you know you that's what you think you're doing you got the classic gorilla monsoon bobby heenan you know what's he going to do gorilla saying he's not going to turn on marty and then heenan saying he doesn't need Janetti. well no (laughs) well that's the beauty of it go back I, i i don't mean to correct you but go back before the climax happens he says one of my favorite lines, one without the other is no good. Yes. They need each other. They need each other. Bobby and said that? Bobby said that. So Bobby says they need each other. One without the other's no good. And then they turn, Marty turns around, Sean's still there. He gives him the disingenuous handshake. Brutus Beefcake announces the reunited the reunited rockers. Theme songs playing, crowds going crazy. 
and then bam, Sean hits him with the super kick. It and wasn't the super kick at the time. Well, no, 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 yes. no. You're right. You're right. It was just the the, the side kick or crescent kick. Yeah, I think crescent, it, crescent kick. kick. Yeah. Um, but Sean hits him with the kick. Marty goes down, and at Bobby Heenan before that had just said one without the other is no good. They need each other. And then Sean hits him, and he goes, "I knew he was going to do that." I, I love I it. He don't need Janetti. He don't need Janetti. <laughs> Um, and then, then the crowd, you hear the audible gasp of oh, the crowd. Oh, silent. Beefcake. Beefcake is already gone at the moment because oh, she sure. thought he's reunited him. And by the way, too, also, not that I'm going to give very many uh, props to Brutus Beefcake on this show because I'm not a Brutus Beefcake guy. But uh, <laughs> Who is? Right. Uh, someone is somewhere. Um, but you want to talk about knowing when you're not supposed to be there. Brutus, very good point. Brutus does the ladies and gentlemen, the rockers, they raise their hands. Brutus gets off the stage because at this point, it's on the barbershop, but it has nothing to do with Brutus. This is their moment. And that's an awesome point because I, you know, I've seen the clip millions of times. Sure. But to just think that deep into it, like, that's wow, that's very true. Yep. He. The moment wasn't on him. He would not make the storyline any better than what he had already done. Exactly. Which is really cool. That's a good point. Yeah, if he stayed there and freaked out and looked shocked, that's not going to add any value to anything. It's just going to take away from the moment. Yeah, it's going to look stupid. stupid. Uh, So then Sean hits Marty, picks him up, throws him through the plate glass window. No, Marty dives. Because he's a coward. In an act of cowardism. Okay, he tried to escape through the window. And I stand with Bobby on that. I'm with, I will never, I will never uh, But how aggressive was that for that time period? I, so, and I don't even want to say for that time period. So, um, my boyfriend Devin is uh, reluctantly getting into wrestling because I'm subjecting him to a lot of it. Good. And to, yeah, and to his credit, he's... In, involved enough uh, to it. And I do notice that when I try to show him some older things, he's not as involved or interested because he likes the flashy moves. He likes, you know, the, you know, the more ripped, polished guys that there are now. Right. So to show him, uh, he, like I, if I tried to show him Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Big Boss Man, <laughs> <laughs> no, just, it's just two fat dudes going ahead. Exactly. <laughs> so he likes to see you know the high spots and all the crazy moves. And but what he loves is he, he this is human nature. He loves anyone going through a table. If someone goes through a table, he loves it. Absolutely. So I keep that in mind and I'm getting ready for this podcast. And of course I know I'm going to talk about this moment. So I show him this moment. Again, in my mind thinking he's probably not going to appreciate it the way I appreciate it. Right. He's probably not going to have the same reaction that I have. But when Marty goes through that window, he literally goes, damn. And for someone... <laughs> the whole audience went, damn. Damn, exactly. And for someone... Where's Ron that, Simmons when you need him? Right. Damn. Where's damn. Farouk? Um, yeah, that is, that is one of those moments. And that really, I don't, I'm trying to think, you know, Martel walked out on Santana. There's been plenty of guys. Greatest partner turn of all time. I agree. Greatest heel turn. I, I completely agree. Maybe, maybe top three heel turns. Hogan was, you know. Hogan was huge. That was Hogan was like, huge. I mean, come on, well, WCW. That was 12 years in the making. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. But I would put this maybe at number two. Yes. And then I would put Bret Hart turning on the crowd before the Attitude Era 
Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah. That was great too, Bret Hart. Yeah. That's I, we're gonna have to do a Bret Hart moment too because I don't think anyone's ever been a heel and a face at the same time in one in Bret two Hart separate was. countries. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Sean was he was a he was a fan favorite in the U.S. But every time he did He'd a show in Montreal uh, and he played off the crowd. We well, get yeah, we'll later. get into we'll get into that uh, pretty soon coming up. So yeah, so that sets up the uh, Shawn Michaels heel turn. And leading into his solo career. And that's what we are going to talk about next. So around like 1992, very beginning of 1992, we start to see the Shawn Michaels heel run for the first time. And something that I think was very smart that they did was they immediately decided that, well, this guy has got a ton of heat. We don't know how he's going to do as a singles wrestler. He's a smaller guy. And we want him to go on a run. This is someone that's going to be an Intercontinental Champion within a year. So what do you do to give a smaller heel immediate credibility to go on to beat people like Tito Santana and British Bulldog and these kind of guys? They pair him up with a manager. And they decide to pair him up with Sensational Sherry, Sherry Martel. Now, right before this, Sherry was working with Ted DiBiase. Yeah, um, and coming off that. Yeah, coming off that. And I'm not really sure what DiBiase... DiBiase was still around at that time. Sherry led him to the ring at the 92 Rumble. Um, and they never really explained their breakup. Um, I think as DiBiase then went to form uh, Money Incorporated, he paired up with Jimmy Hart. But I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, if you can remember, was there ever any big break between Sherry and DiBiase? Not that I know of, no. Yeah, uh, I, I can't so. remember. Nothing comes to date. And yeah. I watch a lot of that footage back, you know, that time period. And, yeah, it's just kind of, he. she was gone. He was with IRS. Yep. They kind of moved on. Jimmy Hart kind of came in maybe just a little bit later. Yeah. Because uh, I believe yeah, he by was still with, I think he was still with the Natural Disasters at the time. Yeah, and, and I think it was boys. that feud that yeah. he switched team but yeah um sherry martel just was such an influence on his career and even in a lot of his speeches he says that you know because she was such a pro and she's been doing it for a long time she gave him so much great advice and she actually and i know you talked about this in your manager's episode and we were actually just talking about this before we started recording before we realized (laughs) we're losing a lot of great material just (laughs) chit-chatting was she not only made him look good but she also got over herself too sure and she did that with everybody she was with macho oh, man yeah. dibiase all the way back although yeah so it was really instrumental in his career yep. i don't i honestly don't know if he, he could have gotten to the level he was in the beginning by himself because she gave him an identity. I agree with you. Well, she was the the original recording for the Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, theme song that he had his entire career. Yeah. So really quick. Um, so Shawn actually had a different theme song before that. Like Did the, he? Yeah. So it was only. It was very brief. I want to say maybe a month or so. A lot of the house shows. His first theme song was called Rhapsody in Blue. It was like a really weird instrumental like kind of thing. I, Jim Johnson, who does sure. at the time, and I believe still does a lot of the theme songs and co-writes a lot of the music for the wrestlers, I don't think he actually wrote that one. I think this was written way before his time. Okay. 
and because they were still trying to sit, think like, hey, what were you going to do with Sean? He wasn't the heartbreak kid at the time. He was right. just he was just Sean Michaels, and his gear was as plain as possible. And so then when they finally started getting an identity, pairing him with Sherry, you know, the older woman to the young boy toy, the boy toy. you know, that's where the whole boy toy came in. And then, yeah, that she was saying the backup vocals on that first version of his entrance music, which was written by Jimmy Hart. Was it really? It was written by Jimmy Mouth of the South Hart because Jimmy was actually in this band called the, the Gentries. Gentries. And if you don't know who the Gentries are, you should look them up and the song Keep On Dancing because it was that band and Jimmy Hart that put the Beatles out of the number one spot back in six in the sixties. No kidding. Yeah. I knew I knew that I knew about the song. I didn't realize that knocked the Beatles out of the And Jimmy's back. actually singing backup vocals too on Sean's Is he really? Song. Yeah. Yeah. He he hear a lot of the, the very uh you can tell where Sherry's at, but right. like you oh, think yeah. there's a lot of background singers at. there, but it's Jimmy Hart as well too. That's very cool. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge bomb. Knowledge boom, dropping it. Boom. Uh so yeah, he gets with Sherry. They start a great run. Like you said, it really cements him as that's where he gets the uh the Heartbreak Kid moniker given to him by Mr. Perfect, yep. Kurt Hennig. Uh and he gets into a good few doesn't have a ton of really memorable feuds. He does no, no he does have uh the big uh well big in parentheses or uh, quotation marks I should say. Uh, feud with Rick Martel, uh, where they're both fighting over uh, Sensational Sherry's Save Your Opinion. Save Your Opinion. <laughs> we're circling back to it, I promise, because okay. we're going to get into that big time. Uh, but he goes through that. He's kind of just floating in that lower mid card. He went through era. a lot of weird opponents. Yeah, back Santana. Then. El Matador, yeah. Tino Santana. He yep. had the thing with the Tonka. Yeah. You know, he had a few matches, uh, you know, with Jimmy Snuka, too. It really, yeah, that's right. Really weird, you know. They well, they're trying to find a place for him. Exactly, because you just got Brett Fresh off the tag team, so that's your Intercontinental Champion right, right there. Right, right. And you he know, was great at it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Perfect was kind of packed that so it's like they really didn't have well, perfect that, was hurt that mid-level guy yeah and then they they found they've got wow we've got two people at the same time what are we going to do yeah so trying to find that moniker of of him yep and that uh so also by the way it's important to uh point out um you'd think that a very natural rivalry after this would be him and marty Janetti. Um, but as we've already alluded to in the past, Party Marty had a lot of his demons. <laughs> Party Marty. It's so perfect. Um, it? Sometimes things just write themselves. Uh, they do. And Party, Party Marty. Marty wrote itself. Uh, Party Marty, not with the WWE at the time. Uh, he was let go for not being a very reliable worker, showing up drunk a lot, showing up stoned a lot. Couldn't rely on him, so they let him go. Uh, never really made his comeback after the barbershop incident. And that actually led itself into a really beautiful comeback story. So October 92, Shawn Michaels gets his first taste of singles gold, beats the British Bulldog, yep. gets the title. And a very weird, by the way, that match ended really weird. It was funny because I was talking with somebody at work about this. Really? And I was I was telling him about this podcast, and I think he subscribed. Good. I, I'm spreading Good man. the word out there Good man. to some of my wrestling uh friends out there by the way if you're listening right now spread the word to your wrestling fans too. have them listen as well so 
we were talking and the it was a Saturday night's main event and it was actually the very last Saturday night's main event okay. of, of that, that era of that era. Yeah. yeah, it was done. They just for some unforeseen reason just abruptly stopped it. But yeah, that was I was saying that's probably one of the worst finishes. It's awful. For a title match yeah. that I can remember. Yeah. Just falling off. Yeah, it was well, supposed to be like a back suplex, yeah. wasn't it? Well, here's a visual if you guys haven't seen it, you know, the British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels are on the top top rope. Bulldog's actually sitting on the top rope. Shawn's in front of him and he looks like he's or vice versa, I'm sorry. Sean is on the top row. Right. British Bulldog's on the second. He looks right. like he's actually going to suplex him off the very top. And then, out of nowhere, like a turd, Bulldog just <laughs> plops down on the mat with Sean falling on top of him. And a very weak, like, couple kick legs from the Bulldog, like, yeah. oh, he's kicking out. And then one, two, three, there you go. Sean's got the belt. Yeah. that's. I don't know if that was supposed to go down that way. Or... I don't know either. And that's always bothered me. Yeah, because I can't imagine. Because you got two guys who can work. Like, Bulldog could work. And they had great chemistry. Yeah, and we, they can did. We, you know, we'll get into it more, but 95. that wasn't their very first you know, run together. They had a very long run. Going back into you know ninety five ninety six you know yeah they had yeah they had a good run but yeah when Shawn Michaels was going into his main event status yep. Bulldog really elevated Bull, elevated him twice elevated him in the Intercontinental level mm-hmm. and then elevated him again so we get through that and then we get to one of my childhood favorite rivalries and that'll come up that is we get to January of ninety three Shawn Michaels is the Intercontinental Champion doesn't really have a big feud. And then who comes back finally after, what, a year? You're look, yeah, you're looking at like eight, nine months. Yeah, well, maybe. that was because that was before Rumble 92. Because he was solo. That Yeah, yeah, because the Rumble 92 was a month after yeah. that happened. Yeah, and that so, was yeah, so you're looking at December 91 yep. to January 93. So over a year. Marty Jannetty's gone. Let me take a look at this magazine. When was when was it printed? Go look at let it. Me go take look a, at let one me of take your. A look at this go look at one of your laminated magazine. Uh, just because I have that magazine that was on the barber shop that was uh, torn up. That was torn up. Hold apart. on, I've got a few books here. Yeah, find it through your arsenal, through your library. Um, but I'm telling you, I'm going to keep going as you look it up and confirm that I'm right because I am right. It shouldn't um, take long. I've got these in <laughs> chronological order. I just got too much stuff. So Sean then starts this feud. Marty Jannetty comes out of nowhere on an episode of Monday Night Raw, and uh, after Sean is done with his match, and squares up with him in the ring. Crowd goes nuts. It's absolutely huge. They get into a rivalry. Would you like to tell everyone? January ninety two, not ninety one, of December. Oh, my apologies. My apologies. You're you're right. You're right. I said the wrong year, um, but yes, that's what I was thinking. So yeah, ninety two to ninety three. Uh, about a year apart. Uh, Sean gets into a rivalry with Marty. Um, he actually drops the belt to Marty on an episode of Monday Night Raw with the help of Mr. Perfect. Gains it back. They go on to have a great, great match mm-hmm. at uh, Monday Night Raw. And you really think that this is going to be um, a long-term setup. They have a great match at Royal Rumble. Marty looked great. Marty looked great. He looked great. He was in all, he was always in great wrestling physical condition. Sure. Yeah, it, the issue with Marty was never when he was Yeah, it was in never performance. No. It was just the off the field the de- uh demons. Yes, exactly. So they do a great spot with him and Sherry. They start to uh break them apart. Sherry's done her job. She's gotten Sean over. He's ready to move on. She's ready to move on. 
They use Marty as this catalyst. They have a great Royal Rumble match. She tries to help Marty. She ends up screwing Marty over, which I thought was so wonderfully brilliant given the whole how the Rockers disbanded by Marty accidentally hits Sean and screws him over. Yes. Now Sherry accidentally hits Marty and screws him over. Poor Marty. Poor Marty, man. It's like God. Marty McFly just poor always getting out, beaten up. Poor one out for Marty and Shawn Michaels is biff. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, but it works and he goes on, uh, continues to have a great... <laughs> Continues to have a great 1993, heads yeah. into 94, which to me is maybe my favorite Shawn Michaels year. We get the introduction in 93 of Diesel, which again, how are you going to continue to get this smaller face over? He's now facing Scott Hall in matches and Mr. Perfect, who are these 6'2 plus guys. Yeah. Shawn Michaels sitting at what, 5'11? Uh, six foot, six, maybe. Six foot, you're looking probably 220. Right. You know, and he's it, facing these guys that are. Gone from an era of these mammoth guys like Andre, Big Boss Man, Akeem, you know, Warrior, into how can we make a regular sized guy look strong? Right. How are you going to get him over and make it look believable? Exactly. Yeah. So, what they do, you know, they use Sherry for a while, but, you know, Sherry's not going to help Shawn Michaels beat the British Bulldog. No. You know, like, you got to get some more muscle behind him. So they bring in Diesel. Uh, Kevin Nash, Detroit native, was in WCW for a while. Weren't really doing it much with him there. Uh, spent some time as a bouncer in some of the Detroit clubs. They decided to bring him in as the strong silent type at ringside. Uh, from that point forward, he's got a great uh, feud with Mr. Perfect, carrying that over from the Marty Jannetty uh, angle where Perfect screwed Michaels over. Mm -hmm. They bring that in. It lasted pretty much all summer. Went into the, uh, you said there was that brief stopover with Tatanka, which is kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. And Luna Vachon. Yeah. Shout out Luna Vachon. Um, carry that over into now going into 1994 and one of uh, maybe the honorable mentions, I'll call it, of the rivalries, uh, his rivalry with Razor Ramon. And this brings them up to, in my opinion, the greatest ladder match of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Solo ladder match. Well, before they got into the like the Hardy Boys and the Dully Boys and all that, right. Edge and Christian got into the you know the TLC. They elevated it, but at this time, ladder matches were actually done before. Yeah. In oh, yeah. It wasn't the first in Stampede Wrestling. Very you good. Know? And, but it was you n nobody ever really knew about it because you only got Stampede Wrestling in, if you're in, in Alberta, in Alberta, Calgary. You know the yeah. Canadian tours. And that was in the 80s. Right. So to us as WWF fans, yeah, I said it, WWF. That's right. Um, Come for me, Vince McMahon. <laughs> like that was new to us. And so here you are, you're having a match with uh, just one ladder. Like how how are you going to make that look good? Right, yeah. There weren't 10 ladders under the ring. There, yeah. They, it, it, it was funny because if you go back, there is footage of Sean and Razor both watching the match and they're commentating on it, you know, like 25 years later. And they were just like, if we damage that ladder, we have been screwed. Yeah. Like there, there were no extra ladders in the bottom of the no. ring. This was the only ladder that they found at the arena. That at the arena, right. At Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania 10. Yep. And that's a great, great match. Um, they really, like I said, they set the bar. I thought they did a great job of keeping the focus still on the match, 
not totally about the ladder, but yes. using the ladder in great yep. ways. You know, even from the very beginning, the ladder set up right in the middle of the very small aisleway. Sean goes around the ladder. Does the famous, the, oh, I'm not going under it. And then that he, finger wag, yep, slides through it. While and then, he's got his sunglasses with the with the yeah, the eye, one, yeah, the you know, one eye open. It was that like steampunk, that, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really cool. Very, very cool. Uh, so they go on to that. They continue that feud. Uh, Sean, not too long after that, I believe gets suspended. Right. Well, Sean was suspended before that ladder match. Oh, well, that's how they got the two belts. So. Sean. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. After the he wins the Intercontinental and he brought you know Kevin Nash along and they were on the road together and it came up you know there because Vince just got done with the steroid drug policy you right. know all that with huge in the '90s um, that they were doing random drug testings now with the superstars. Sean so happened to fail his drug test. Okay. And. He argues in, in his book and everything, he argues to this day, he goes, I'll admit when I'm wrong, but when I'm not wrong, I am going to stick up yeah, for myself. Yeah, stand by my guns. And he goes, Vince, there's no way I'm taking steroids. I'm matching Kevin beer for beer and burger for burger. <laughs> like, there's no there's no way right. somebody's had to have done something. So he said, well, you know, we're going to have to suspend you, take the belt off you. I'm not giving up the belt. Yeah. He goes, I'm in San Antonio, Texas right now. You're not taking a belt from me. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so they made a new belt with that vacant Intercontinental Championship. They gave it to Shane Douglas for a hot second. He lost it. Well, that was later. That no, was, oh. this was it because I'll get, I got this, Mike. So, <laughs> so they gave Shane Douglas the belt, you know, as the vacant winner. And then they actually turned it to a battle royal the win the two finalists in the the battle royal on monday night raw right we're going to face off the following uh monday for yeah, the title the and the final two contestants were uh rick martell and razor and right. then razor ended up winning that singles competition getting his belt for the first time so now you've got Razor with Intercontinental Belt, and then Sean coming back later after suspension to a TV taping with his Intercontinental Belt. So they're like, who's the real champion? Right. He says he's never lost it, so he's just still champion. And he so, still got it. So that sets up the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. It just worked itself out organically, like they said. Then that's one of those things, too, where it's like, again, some things just write themselves. And that was a great... You couldn't have set that match up any better. Life imitating art. Totally. Totally. Yep. All right, so we've been going for pretty much an hour now, and we've only gotten to 1994, so this is going to have to be a multi-part segment. So what I'd like to do right now is I want to bring in something that I was going to talk about later after we went through his whole uh, chronology, but let's do it this way. I want to talk about Shawn Michaels' best matches and his best feuds, and I try to stick to a top 10, so I want to do his five best matches. We'll discuss that. We'll start a new podcast. We'll go into uh, Shawn Michaels' 1995 throughout uh, 97. We'll end with uh, the five best feuds. Mm -hmm. And then we will maybe do one last segment about the return of Shawn Michaels uh, after his injury. So let's now discuss the uh, five best matches. I told you that I wanted to do this. We debated a little bit. I yeah. don't think I have your final list 
so I'm going to... L- I even switched it up after I said this Good was my man. final list. <laughs> I, well, that's the beauty of it. So, so let's, many matches. It's so many matches. You oh, can. my God. So we're going to do the five best matches. You are my guest today. So, John Weiner, tell me your top five Shawn Michaels matches. Okay. So to me, being an avid HBK fan and kind of watching his whole career uh, back from the Rockers to his retirement, my top five matches are, and I'm doing this David Letterman style, you just can't see me. <laughs> hey. Um, uh, number five is Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 21, 2005. Uh, such a great match and build up to that story prior to WrestleMania Royal Rumble. This is where Kurt Angle is just, he wants everybody to acknowledge that he's the best. He wants another championship spot. He wasn't initially in the Rumble. He took a no neighbors number and that's his entrance. Michaels is in the Rumble. He's eliminating a few people. He eliminates Angle. Angle gets angry comes back later and eliminates Sean. They start scuffling. Which is a stupid rule, by the way. I hate that rule. I hate rule. that. And they, do you notice they change the Rumble rules? Oh, almost, whenever, it, all whenever the time. it fits them. Like a, a superstar can't eliminate themselves, but yet Macho Man eliminated himself when Jake the Snake Roberts came back. Yeah, in. Or, well, and he, he eliminated himself in 92 to go after Jake Roberts, yeah. but they say, oh, no, 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 that doesn't count. Yeah. You're back in. But Andre Lim himself back in 89 yep. when Jake Snake. It's always a Jake it's the Snake. It's always Jake the Snake. snake. You never trust a snake. Never. Well, tr- trust me. <laughs> exactly. Trust me. Uh, we should do a Jake the Snake episode. We will do a Jake the Snake. So, you know, long story short, they scuffle outside of the ring, and then that leads up to... WrestleMania. So during this time period, what really makes this match is a lot of the promos going into it. Sean, Kurt Angle, great wrestler, one of my favorites, top 10. Athletic, but funny. And Very he funny. likes to make fun of himself or make himself look like a fool just for the entertainment. Sure. Uh, Kurt, leading up to that match, brought out Marty Jannetty. And, oh. you know, see, during, I wasn't watching. You weren't watching. Yeah, you weren't watching. This so. is new to me. You're you're teaching me as you're telling I love me this. It. And our wrestling history goes back to '96. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Me and you battles at the lunch table. That's right. That's right. Woot, woot. Uh, by the way, I, and I do not want to cut you off and tell you the story, but I want to say real quick, I knew that this guy was going to be good because you came in fourth grade, right? Yes. Fourth grade. Don't know anything about him. He's the new kid in school. I Ever- was. I literally was a new kid in. In the grade, yeah, totally. I was. Yeah, everybody else was kind of been there for a few ever. years. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of new people. It wasn't like you came in at middle school where a bunch of people came in all yeah. at the same time. We had known each other as a class for four or five years. And in comes John Weiner. And do you know how I knew this kid's going to be okay? I'm going to like this kid. You used to to whether to get a laugh or just to get attention. I don't know what it was. But you would take full-on bumps on the floor. You would oh just, my gosh! I yes, I you remember just like, that. You would just like let your legs go from underneath you, and you would fall flat on the floor, take a perfect smack, and you knew how to land and not give yourself That's a concussion. Right. Yeah, I did, Miss Jacina's class. Miss Jacina, shout out Miss Jacina. Um, that is how I am like, all right, this kid's going to be all right. He's, yeah. he's doing bumps on the fourth grade floor. You know, we used to have wrestling battle trivias at sure. lunchtime. Oh, yeah. To see who knew more. And 
I remember the first one you got me on was you're like, what's the name of Coco Beware's bird? I had no idea what it was, and you're like, Frankie. Frankie. And it was like, if you had a mic to drop, <laughs> who you would have dropped the mic. Oh, my but, God. All right. So I didn't mean yeah. to derail so you there. So anyways. Angle. So, so Angle. So during this time period, Kurt Angle's trying to get into Sean's head. So he brings out Marty Jannetty. And this was actually during the time Jannetty was actually getting a little bit of a run. It was kind of a test run to see if he can still do matches because he had matches. He actually had a Rockers reunion with Sean against La Resistance on a Monday Night Raw, which is really cool too. But anyways, Angle beats up Jannetty. <laughs> of course. At poor of Party course. Marty. Poor Party Marty, man. <laughs> Sherry, oh. Sean, Angle, yeah, everybody. Right. If you run into Marty Jannetty, I don't know Just if he's nice sober right now. Be, be nice to him, please. Um, so he had that. And then uh, another week on Raw, he actually brought out Sherry Martell. And Angle actually came out to the entrance, you know, Sean's entrance. He did Sean's thing. Sherry Martell was there. And Kurt actually sang his own theme song to the tune of Sexy Boy. He goes, I'm just a sexy Kurt. Oh my and then God. Sherry's just like, sexy Kurt. <laughs> and he goes, I'll make your ankle hurt. Oh my and god! This is all on YouTube. You've got to watch it. I don't. He does the whole song. I never He's saw just this. Just a sexy Kurt. Oh my god! <laughs> it was so great. Uh, all right. So getting back to the match, um, it was a, a thirty-minute match, and it was really good because it was two of the best wrestlers of their respected generations. Angle being a technical wrestler, Sean being a very gifted entertainer. Um, the the match was very technical with Sean dominating. It was a lot of back and forth, back and forth, high risk maneuvers, a lot of classic stuff. They did a lot of outside of the ring. Sean took an an ang, uh, angle slam to the ring post, you know, okay. which is crazy. His back, he's right. you know, his injury. Sure. He's taking this to his back. Um, a lot of ton of false finishes. Sean going for the sweet chin music, missing ankle going for the ankle, locking it up. You know, dramatic moments of oh, is Sean gonna tap out? But then he reaches to the rope, um, and then there's an awesome shot of them both being knocked out after I believe uh, sweet chin music, and then they're both on the ground and they're both struggling to get up at the ten count. And Angle's mouth is just bleeding. Sean's bleeding. Um, Ultimately, Angle wins the match with putting Sean in the ankle lock for what seems like ever. Realistically, probably a good minute and a half, two minutes. Still a long with, time. With Sean trying everything to get out. You think he's going to get out, but Angle seals it. Great match. Both wrestlers, entertaining match. Uh, just just watch it. Uh, cool. My number five. Number four, uh, Chris Jericho, WrestleMania 19, 2003. Sean's first WrestleMania match since 1998, uh, so it's been five years. Thing about Chris Jericho is he was such a Shawn Michaels. He's the reason that Jericho got into the business. He modeled himself in his earlier appearances as Shawn from the Rockers. Oh, you can see it. A lot of the same maneuvers. It was like watching Shawn wrestle Shawn. It was like watching Shawn in 2003 wrestle Shawn from 1988, 89. It was very cool. From the beginning, uh, you could just see it was Sean's entrance shooting confetti into the crowd and, and Jericho's already in the ring on the top rope looking like a sad clown because (laughs) everybody's going crazy for Sean. And no one cares about, and nobody cares about Jericho, but there was a lot of classic moves in that match too, which really 
made it an entertaining match to watch from uh, Sean Lang on the top turnbuckle in the corner like he yeah, used to, yeah. which was really cool, and, and Jericho just looking at him all smug to, um, you know, a lot of good double hip tosses, running the ropes, leapfrogs. Um, there was a spot where uh, Jericho kicks flip from his back like the Rockers used to do, yeah. and then he gets into the Sean pose, the kip up. and yeah. everyone's like booing, and then Sean kicks bit, and Jerry goes... Now that's that's the original and that's the better one too, you know, just really dogging Jericho. Yeah, but they really played that up. It was a really high flying match, uh, you know, another one where there was a lot of false finishes, a lot of uh you know, Sean hitting Jericho with the sweet uh sweet chin music or a super kick, Jericho getting up, Jericho putting Sean in the wall of Jericho. It was a very sound match and probably for the first WrestleMania for Sean to come back to on that stage, it was wall-to-wall flawless. It was a flawless match. And what was really made it, too, is at the end of the match when Sean actually wins on, um, it looks like a reverse sunset flip, too. Not even a finisher, but a reverse sunset flip. Uh, They're both standing there in the ring, and Jericho looks like he's ready to cry, like I couldn't beat my my mentor, you know, my idol, my hero. And so they go in for a hug, and then Jericho, classic Y two J, cheap shots him, low blow. Sean falls into Jericho's arms, and then Jericho pushes Sean to the ground. Oh man! But it's like one of the how cool is that? It's like he, Sean won the match, but yet he's still putting Jericho over, over. in that moment and putting some spotlight. Yeah, because at that time period, Sean was done with look, trying to make himself look good. Sure, he had changed, and yeah. he was well. He, he, he yeah, really, he had a big reputation of not being willing to put people. No, over. absolutely, and for him to, you know, start working with the other people and and putting them over, I thought that was really cool. Great match. Check that out. My third match, um, 1997. Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, the very first Hell in a Cell match. Um, everybody, Bad blood. every yeah, Kane's debut. Yeah, at the end, everybody wants to say, "Oh, Mick Foley, Hell in a Cell." Don't get me wrong. And Jason, if you listen, <laughs> that was probably the the greatest fall and bump in the history. Oh, of without wrestling. a doubt, without a doubt. Mick Foley's tooth is through his nose. Right. I love that picture. Um, but it was a first of its kind. And it wasn't like again. I think this is another thing too, where we talk about yet yeah, ladder matches had been done before, but for the WWF stage, Sean and Razor was the first one, and really setting that bar. You know when you're doing something more or less for the first time, at least as far as the audience goes, you really got to deliver. And this is yeah. the first Hell in a Cell. Yeah. So what's cool about this is that cell itself. Those used to actually be. The cage matches, I believe, in the eighties. There, it wasn't the first time that dome was ever built. Right. But Vince changing it to the big blue to make it more applicable, I guess you could say. You know, um, it better wasn't for the TV. easiest. Yeah. yeah, better for TV. So this was the first time, like you saw that cage come back if you hadn't seen it in that, a like, long time. That like chain link. Yeah, the yeah. chain link. You can't get your top to bottom. You're you're totally just like in caved in this it was more barbaric looking yeah this barbaric contraption 
Um, so what's really cool about this too is that Sean, when he, that thing was built, he was like, "Okay, I got it. We got to figure a way to do a, a spot on top of the cage." So that's when the whole you know K Kane's debuting this. And we're going to move the Undertaker into the Kane angle. You know, we'll right. try to do a few spots, but the match itself was the the history with Sean and the Undertaker at that moment was incredible and I wish there was more Sean Undertaker matches at that time period because in at that moment the Undertaker actually they had heat oh Undert- yeah Undertaker hated Sean yeah he knew he was okay working with him you know they were doing it but like there was a lot of personal heat sure you know because of Sean being a prick yeah, well, and they had two very distinct. You you were kind of like you you rolled with Undertaker or you rolled with Sean. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, but the match itself, I mean, it was gory. There was blood everywhere. Sean got color. You know, ton of blood. Undertaker like throwing him into the cage like a lawn dart. <laughs> Sean bouncing all over the rings. Um, you know, and then that famous when they're actually working on top of the cage. You know, the crowd's going nuts. They've never seen this before. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You know. And then Sean hanging from the edge, and then Undertaker finally kicks his fingers, and Sean goes through the announcing table. I mean, that whole match from start to finish was so exciting because it was so new. It may not be the best Hell in a Cell match, sure. but it's the greatest uh, Hell in a Cell match because it was the first one. Again, it set that bar. It set, it that, set bar. that bar. And to make a, uh, a, a, I think it's interesting that you say that, and it just made me think of it in this perspective um if you look at if you're talking about movies if you have never seen boys in the hood if you go and see boys in the hood now you go it's another movie about you know kids growing up in south central la and having a hard time but when it came out it was so innovative and it was so unique and it made such a impact on the whole genre oh, yeah. that you can't escape it. So I feel like it's sort of one of those things where if you've seen all these other Hell in a Cell matches first and then you go back and you see the Sean Undertaker match, you might go, okay, yeah, well, Sean fell from the thing, but Mick Foley fell higher and more dangerously. Yeah. But that was that was the blueprint that was set up everything else. That's, yeah. yeah. That's why it, it's so encapsulating to watch and especially watching it as a what was this 97 97 i was 11 years old so yeah. as an 11 year old to watch that you're just, you're just like your mind is blown totally so that one sits to me at number three um number two is going to be the match between uh a little guy known as uh scott hall razor ramon chico chico Bad guy. Hey, yo. Yeah, the ladder match, WrestleMania 10. Another innovative match, too. You know, there was plenty more replicas after that that were like, ooh, wow, bing, bang, cool. Jeff Hardy's going off of four ladders right now into a 100-feet dive. Yeah. You know, but at that time, there was nobody did it. Nobody was doing it. Um. You know the Scott spots. Hall, Scott Hall is also six seven. Six seven. Taking yeah. some of those bumps. This is Off not top Jeff Hardy the, yeah, size this, guys doing this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if Scott Hall can do a swanton bomb. <laughs> I'm willing to put my collection that he's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was so encapsulating about that match too was 
here you are, WrestleMania 10, 10 years from where it all started. Um, it wasn't even the marquee match. No. It was a mid-card match. Yeah. I believe that match was uh, Yoko and Brett for the WWF championship, yeah, it was, was Luger, it? Yeah, it was Luger or, and Yoko earlier. Yeah. And then Brett and Owen, Owen actually did, started, started the match. Great match. Insane. Phenomenal match. Insane. But then, yeah, the the uh, the whole concept, the what, as they say, what sold the tickets for that was the... Luger, Yoko, Brett, Triangle, who's going to finish the night as champion. Right. This was a mid-card match. This this was the Steamboat Macho Man match of WrestleMania 10. Um, nobody thought it could work. They, they didn't want to do the match. Right. Um, you know, Vince didn't want them to do the match. But like you said earlier, they had a great match. A lot of, you know... Uh, technical wrestling, uh, a lot of overselling by Sean making Razor look good, a lot of Razor making Sean look good too, because I mean, yeah. they're best friends. You yeah. Know, they're in the click. The click. Um, but they didn't make the latter the complete focus of the match. It was an actual wrestling match that just so happened to be a ladder. That happened to involve a ladder. Yes. Yeah. And what was so cool about that as well is like, here you are, you've got the two belts hanging from the rafters. Such a cool and image. And it's just, I'm sure you've seen the image of Sean diving and making that, you know, splash on top of Razor. Yep. I mean, that that's funny. That's... Razor's gone on saying, he goes, you know how many pictures of that I signed? He goes, like, <laughs> you know, I actually got some offense in the match, you know. <laughs> But he actually won the match. Yeah, he won the match, but everyone's bringing him pictures of Sean. You know, Sean diving on top of him. But yeah, that was a very instrumental match. A lot of great spots there too. Sean getting caught in, you know, falling off the ladder, getting caught with his leg and the rope, mm-hmm. allowing Razor to, a great way to finally it. get the wrap. And then by the time Razor gets the belts out, Sean, boom, makes that lunge for him. Yeah. And kept, kept you, you know, watching, you know, glued to the seat. And then top five, uh, number one is, I hate to sound like these are all almost WrestleManias and I'm doubling up, but WrestleMania 25, uh, the Heaven and Hell match with The Undertaker. And what was really cool is this kind of, this. I know they had a match the previous, or the, the next WrestleMania, but this WrestleMania right here kind of almost encapsulated the whole their whole career. Yeah. Their hell in the cell. The Royal Rumble. The promos that Sean would cut on The Undertaker back in 97, 98. Their whole they come full circle. And what was really cool is you saw a lot of vintage stuff too. So from the time the bell rang to the time that, you know, it was over where Undertaker keeps a streak alive, you had two athletes, the two greatest of their generation put on a sound match vintage undertaker would walk the ropes totally. during that match which was really cool and, you know yeah. get the arm going undertakers in the middle of the ropes how he's able to keep balance i can't even keep balance when i'm walking up the stairs let alone on ropes <laughs> um there was a spot too which was really cool as well where the undertaker actually takes a bump with a leg drop on the edge of the ring too now it may not seem pretty significant but what's really cool is the undertaker is not a young guy anymore. No. And he is just, he's taking these bumps for him. Um, Sean dragging the ref back into the ring to a count, you know, where Undertaker's count being, being counted out and Sean's praying that, 
you know, the ref's been knocked out and he's like, you know, slow counting it and Sean's praying, you know, I hope I win this match by count out. Undertaker gets up, makes it back to the ring, false finishes everywhere. Um, one point Undertaker gets to the top rope and tries to do a flying elbow misses, which was crazy I don't to think see. I've, never, under- seen I've never, that's, I see, never seen him do that before in my life. Yeah. Or never. after. You know, Sean kicking out of the tombstone, kicking out of the uh, choke slam from hell or choke slam, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then automatically, you know, Sean gets hit by a tombstone, the second tombstone, and loses the match. Um, he may be, have lost more WrestleMania matches than he's won, but to me, that was what Mr. WrestleMania does. The crowd was so into it. From start to finish, the oohs, the ahs, you watch the crowd, and I don't think there was one person that was, like, looking away and trying, like, no. hey, what's going on? No one was um, getting popcorn. A lot of vintage material, too, between Sean and Undertaker, yeah. move-wise. If you ever want to watch a Shawn Michaels match, if you want to see the best Shawn Michaels match, WrestleMania 25 with The Undertaker. Yeah, they really brought their whole history into that match, and that's what made it so great. And whether you followed their history or if that was the first match you had ever seen, they did a great job of making you really appreciate it as a whole. Yeah, with Sean descending from heaven, The Undertaker coming, coming up, up from the stage like he's coming from hell. It's theater. It's it every, It's everything that you love about pro wrestling. It's it's live theater. It's great. There's no botches. It's a beautiful match. It's everything. on my list. I'm, our list is actually very similar, so I'm not going to spend too much time. Obviously, if you talked about it, I'm not going to... I'll just go on to the next. Uh, my number five is actually that Undertaker bad blood match for all the reasons that you listed. I'm very big on giving credit to people that are creating and innovating these matches and these Mm -hmm. types of moves. And that was one of those um, matches. You you brought in the introduction of Kane. I think that kind of overshadowed the match. I think that's why it gets lost in a lot of the annals of history. But it's definitely worth the top five spot. Um, Sean, at least a ton of color, thought it was great. Total bloody mess. Number four on my list. Um, has Sean won any of these matches on my list? Actually, he won that match. He won that match, Kane. yeah. Thanks, Kane. Um, number <laughs> four on my match is actually the WrestleMania 20 match between him, Chris Benoit, and Triple H. Mm. This, And I fully admit this is a Chris Benoit match. This is not a Shawn Michaels match. The story is really, there's two stories being played at the same time. There's Shawn Michaels versus Triple H which is really your story. And then you've got Chris Benoit trying to get to the top of the mountain, a place that he had never been before. Um, But they found a way to work it all into one match pretty seamlessly. And I'm not a big triple threat guy. I think a lot, like I hate when some guy's laying on the outside of the ring for five minutes while two other guys are fighting in the ring. It it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I thought this match kept up an incredible pace. Uh, I told a great story. And this is again, this is Sean after his return. This is Sean doing everything that he can to put the other people over because after this match Chris Benoit goes and feuds with Triple H mm-hmm. he doesn't feud with Shawn Michaels no. so Shawn Michaels understands that his role in this match is to bridge the gap between him more or less ending or at least putting on pause his rivalry with Triple H yep. and allowing Chris Benoit to get the spotlight and I think he did a great job it's so hard to think of Shawn Michaels being number three in a three man match but that was his role, and he did it great. And he, but he still, even 
in that role, I think he had my favorite moment in that match is Chris Benoit has Triple H in the crossface and Triple H is about to tap and he actually goes down to tap and Shawn Michaels, who is on the outside of the ring, we don't even really see great, by the way, shout out to the camera crew for that shot. Right as Triple H is getting ready to put his hand down and tap out on the match, Shawn Michaels, in an act of saving himself and keeping the match going, dives his hand under the rope, and Triple H ends up hitting Shawn Michaels' hand. Therefore, it's not an official tap out, and he grabs his hand. Just that perfect timing. Perfect timing. Those little moments that just elevate it to a whole other level. And you got three guys who can really work in the ring, who can all take bumps, who all at this point in their careers have no problem making the other guy look good. I think it was just a great match. Was that the year that Chris Benoit, he was in the main event, was that the year he won the Rumble? Yeah, that was 04. Okay, that was, that was 04. number one. Yeah, uh, and the only other person to do that, Shawn Michaels. We'll get back to that. We'll one. get back to that. Uh, so that's my number four. Um, number three on my list, and I'm, I gotta admit, I'm a little surprised it's not on your list, but with so many Shawn Michaels matches, it's hard to pick. My number three match is actually his match against Mankind at uh, In Your House Mind Games 96. Uh, why I love this match so much is this is Shawn Michaels at the peak of White Meat Babyface title boyhood dream Shawn Michaels they he was with Jose Lothario which I thought was a stupid angle um, but it was this whole time of Shawn Michaels being just a good guy and clean cut and the image and the face of the WWF and then here comes this new opponent for him this new guy to the scene really in Mankind who had had some great matches with the Undertaker already and was going to have even better matches with Undertaker in the future but he Mankind was such an interesting character where he was such a dark, weird, uncomfortable character. And so you've got this always having the smile on my face champion, Shawn Michaels. Kids love him, girls love him, guys want to be him. And then Mankind. And you can't have Shawn Michaels doing his usual spots that he would do against Diesel or Razor Ramon or any of these other people and have it have the same effect on someone like Mankind. Mankind gets dark. Mankind gets weird. Mankind gets into your brain. And the title of the thing is Mind Games. And what I love about it is we see Shawn Michaels remain a babyface, but get very dirty and very dark and much more brutal and violent than we've ever seen Shawn Michaels be. He's He's a sports entertainer. He's not a hardcore wrestler. He's not a violent wrestler but he understands that he has to sink to mankind's level if he's going to be able to beat him and what's awesome too about that match was you saw uh the wwf champion taking bumps and doing things that previous you never really saw wwf champions do no taking you know back flips over on the concrete floor, you know, really working the stair, you know, throwing the stairs and the outer half of the rings, you know. Going into the barricade. There was a spot in the match where Sean throws the mat over mankind and just starts jumping on him. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you never really saw a champion do that. No. You never saw Hogan do it. You never saw Definitely not a face champion. Yeah, exactly. You never saw Bret Hart doing that. No. So Sean, yeah, like you said, really had to elevate his game and become more violent 
yeah for that match totally that's what i love about that match and i think that that was something where you see that match and you go okay not only dude i just noticed your life-size Shawn michaels cut out oh yeah um i got a a story about the other one uh, (laughs) the other one yeah it was supposed to come the ebay seller uh didn't send it it was the vintage 95 one oh man deal too was in great condition well that's why it was a good deal you never got it um (laughs) got a refund though guys there you go Shout out eBay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my number three. Uh, my number two and my number one are the same as yours, except I actually flip them. I've got Undertaker, WrestleMania 25 at number two. It's a perfect match. I take nothing away from it. I'd say the only reason why I put Razor, WrestleMania 10 above that is just because, like I said, I wasn't watching. I had to go back and watch Sean versus Undertaker. Right. I w- so I don't get to see the buildup take out or take place in real time I have to go back to it and in 1994 my whole world was wrestling so that Sean and Razor under or, uh, Sean and Razor ladder match was really really mind blowing to me and so it'll always be number one in my heart uh, but pretty much we've got three of the same top five slightly different orders but uh, if you go back and watch any of these matches you're not going to have a bad time these are great great matches great storylines it was absolutely fantastic and uh, I think this is a perfect spot to take our pause. Uh, I'm going to jump right back in with part two of the Shawn Michaels deep dive. We're going to pick up in 95 and continue on throughout his career. We'll talk about his best feuds, and we'll even talk about the worst match, because even someone as great as Shawn Michaels has bad matches. So we'll give our opinions on that and all more in part two of the Closet Champion podcast. <laughs> 